The Lord be with you. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, St. Augustine is one of the most popular and important saints in the history of the church because of his incredible contribution to Catholic theology. And so he's famous for many things. But perhaps he's most well-known and most famous, especially among young people, for a, a prayer that he offers from his own youth at the end of his autobiography, The Confessions. Now his confessions are a story of his conversion from really a godless heathen life to the monastic life. His conversion from a court orator to a monk, to someone who prayed day and night. And in there, in the very end, in the 13th uh, book, he says this prayer when he was young, that he used to pray to God, God, grant me chastity, but not yet. He desired in his heart to change, but he wasn't quite ready for that commitment. He wasn't quite ready to step up. He didn't necessarily know how to do it, but he recognized a need to change his behaviors. And we can empathize with this. Maybe we too have prayed that same prayer with St. Augustine. Or more likely, maybe we've prayed the prayer of, Lord, help me to read more, but after I watch this last series on Netflix... Or, Lord, help me to exercise and eat better after I take a nap and eat a pint of ice cream. I mean, those were at least my prayers this week. I say that often to myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I think, I think this is the week. But this is the challenge of our life. We recognize in ourselves a need to change, but we don't necessarily know how to do that. But we also don't like it when people challenge us. When people recognize a weakness and a need to change in us, we don't like to hear that. We put up walls. More and more, especially among the young, the primary thing that we want is to be tolerated, to be accepted first and foremost. 
We don't like being challenged, especially if it's a challenge that cuts to the heart and really gets after the core of who we are. And that's understandable. And so it's understandable when we hear in the second reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, avoid immorality that we can build up a wall. We can say to St. Paul, who are you to judge the Corinthians? Who are you to tell me what to do? And in fact, in this English translation, avoid immorality, it actually kind of tones down the Greek translation, or the Greek word here, which is phugatetein porneon. Flee, literally flee, shun from porneon, which is where we get the word for pornography, which is more about sexual sin, fornication, those kinds of things. And so from the very earliest moment in the church, we are hearing the need for us as Christians to mark our life by chastity. This was scandalous and audacious in the world in which St. Paul lived, where sex was used to exert power over people, not unlike a lot of relationships in our own world. And so a hallmark, the reality is, is that in our life as Christians, we are called to chastity and sobriety. And this is not fun or easy to hear. Trust me, I entered the novitiate. I gave up dating on the possibility of marriage at 23 years old. I spent my 20s in a seminary. It's not easy to seek after these things. And yet, the Lord shows us the way and helps us realize that inner stirring in our heart. I'm reading a book right now by a sociologist, and he writes about that even in the secular world, amongst young people, people who are right out of college is who he's studying, is that they recognize that they should have, that that sex especially, but in their relationships there should be a mutual self-giving. There should be a relationship and that all that other stuff should come later and yet it's not uncommon for these same people to have trouble in relationships right away. To make commitments into relationships, to do things in relationships that they know are best left for later. And this is people who aren't really interested in the God thing. And yet we know as people of God the challenge. And God shows us the way. Why? Because he loves us. We sometimes hear from St. Paul, avoid immorality. We don't like the answer, so we don't care for the reason. But why should we avoid immorality? Because we are made in the image and likeness of God. This is a radical claim that we make as Christians that we are primarily a spiritual being. We are not just our body. We are a soul that has a body. And as a result, our body should be an extension of our soul. Our body should be that which makes the world a better place, a place where love, a place where service, a place where beauty, goodness, and truth are the way in which we relate to one another. As St. Paul says, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. Think about that, that you in your soul, because of what God has given you in baptism, are worth more than anything this world has to offer in a material sense. And that is who you are fundamentally and primarily. 
And yet God doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just say, okay, good luck, you're a body and a soul. He recognizes that we struggle. He took on our humanity, but he also gives us an example of how to go about this life. And we have that in the first reading and the gospel today. We have Samuel and we have St. Andrew. Samuel and St. Andrew give us three great ways, a, a kind of a road map for how we live out this audacious claim that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The first is this. We have to put it into practice in small ways. Before we can make the big jumps, before we can stand up for our faith in tremendous and in ways that move the world, we have to do it in simple practical, objective ways each and every day. Samuel, as we heard in the first reading, had not really met God, and yet where was he? Sleeping in the temple, following the priest Eli. He was practicing the ways of God before he knew him. St. Andrew, before he even met the Christ, before he even met Jesus, was following John the Baptist. And so it should be for each of us. We need to develop virtue, which are dispositions toward the good, which are habits that make make us good, are little things we do each and every day. It's the sacrifices that we make. It's the kind words that we say. It's the little things that we do that strengthen us for the big test. The other thing that we need after this practice that we hear in both these readings is we need to listen. We need to listen to God. We need to pray. Samuel is sleeping in the temple and is waiting. And when he hears a voice, he's able to hear it. Why? Because he's in a place of quiet. Andrew has been practicing following John the Baptist. So when he hears him say, behold the Lamb of God, he can make something of that claim. He hears it not just as something else that John is saying, but that this means something. And when Jesus speaks to him, he follows after him more. We need to pray every day. We need to be in conversation with God. When we practice in small ways virtue in our faith, when we listen to God in prayer, the last thing we need to do is when we hear God's voice, we need to respond with boldness. Samuel gets up and runs to Eli, and then he says to the Lord, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Andrew drops everything and follows Jesus. And not only that, but he goes to his brother and says, Let's go. Let's do this together. Come on, I found the Messiah. This is our Christian life. It's a beautiful life, but it's also a challenging life. But here's the icing on the cake. God became one of us, went through all of those temptations, and showed us the way not only to live a good life, but to be free and joyful in our life. John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. When Jesus is referred to in the Gospel of John, he is first of all referred to as the Lamb of God. In other words, John says, Look at the one who will be slaughtered. Look at the one who will be killed. 
Look at the one who will take our sins onto himself and offer them up to God. God gives everything so that we might be free, so that we might have joy. God speaks to each of us today at the Mass. At the end of the Eucharistic prayer, I will hold up the Eucharist and say, Behold the Lamb of God. May we have the strength, the courage, and the conviction to say with Samuel and to mean it and for us to follow after so that we might, like him and like St. Andrew and St. Peter, be holy. May we have the courage to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.